Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. Come on and worship the Lord with us today.
is so good. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and say he's good. Say he's good. Y'all can grab a seat in the presence of God this morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Will, for those of you I haven't met yet, and uh, it's an honor to meet some of you. Uh, Dothan First, can we go ahead and honor our first-time guests this morning, those that are visiting with us? Welcome. We're so glad that you're here, whether in person or online. And uh, there's one of the things that we want to encourage you to do, we ask all of our first-time guests to do, if you haven't yet, and that's text, D1 text to 84576, or to scan the QR code on the screen. And another option for you is to grab the Connect card from the seat back in front of you, fill that out with as much information as you don't mind us having, and we ask that you hold on to that, and then at the end of service, you can drop it in the giving boxes, or we ask that you meet some of our pastors and our leadership team, and we want to exchange that for a gift in our guest reception area. Again, we love meeting new people. So, Dothan First, can we honor our first-time guests this morning? So glad that you're here. Uh, one of the things that we've been doing during the entire month of July that we want to remind you of is that on the Wednesdays of July, we are taking a strategic time of rest. We're calling it a refreshing for our leaders so that when we come back in the fall in August, we're going to be ready with fresh vision, fresh energy to be able to better serve our people. So just want to remind you of that, that this Wednesday we will not be having service. But the first Wednesday in August, uh, we will be having a joint worship night right here in the sanctuary. Yeah, give God some praise for that. It's going to be amazing. And during our prayer huddle this morning, during our team huddle, uh, I mentioned to the team, some of our leaders, our ministry uh, leaders in our church, that there's something special about the family of God worshiping together. So I want to invite you to uh, be a part of that. That'll be the first Wednesday in August. Uh, also, serve day on August the 12th. Somebody say August 12th. It is a serve day, so please, if you have your phone out or if you haven't signed up, I'm sure you can sign up in the lobby or scan that QR code. It's a time for us to better love our city. There'll be a number of projects around that you can be a part of, but we're asking you to do what Christians do which is serves. We, we believe save people, serve people. So we want to take this time to serve our city, to show people the love of God in a unique way. So if you haven't, please scan that QR code. I see some of you doing it right now. Or sign up. And if you have any questions, please talk to us. But I encourage you to do that. It's going to be a great thing. Uh, and another announcement. She's not in the room right now, but today is Pastor Kathy Benson's birthday. Can y'all give it up for Pastor Kathy? She is here, she is in the house, but I encourage you after service, give her a hug, tell her how, how thankful you are for her, and uh, the whole Benson family, we love them. Our pastors are still on sabbatical, they'll be here next week. I uh, hope you've still been praying for them, believing that God's been speaking to them, giving them fresh vision. So now is the part of the service where we get to give. How many are thankful that the Lord has blessed you? Are you thankful this morning? You'll see on the screen that there are five ways to give, and we encourage you to utilize one of those ways uh, because we love generosity. We believe it models the heart of God. So we're asking you to do what you do already, which is to give generously, to give sacrificially of yourselves because this is an important extension of our worship. And right before I get ready to pray over our time of giving, I'm going to go ahead and ask our elders and our prayer team to go to their various stations of prayer. Uh, the reason we do this every single week is because we really do believe in healing. We believe that God still heals and he wants to heal people today. So uh, some of our elders will be under both exit signs on the main floor and up in this top corner in the balcony. But I'm going to ask you, if you're, you need a touch in your body, a touch in your mind, if you want to stand in the gap for somebody else to believe for God to do something miraculous today, we're going to ask you to take part in this strategic time of prayer. But I want to invite everybody, if you will, to your stand. Uh, as we get ready to pray, 
and give our offerings to the Lord and give ourselves to the Lord, we're going to go ahead and believe that God is going to show up in a mighty way today. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so, so much for this house, for Dothan First. As Pastor Mark says often, our prayer today is, God, whatever you're doing, do it in Dothan First. Do it in us. So today, as we need a supernatural touch, as we need healings, uh, and as we ask you to bless our finances, we're believing that you're going to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you, uh, all that we ask, think, or imagine, because we believe that you are more than able. So touch us today, be with us today, and we'll give you the praise for it. And everybody said real loud, amen. Come on, let's worship together.
that bridge worthy you are. I just saw a picture of the Lord sitting on his throne in heaven and just him looking down on this room and him being pleased with the worship that we're lifting up to him. He's worthy of all of our worship, all of our praise, all the honor. We would be nothing without him. So Lord, we look to you today, God. We lift up holy, holy praise to you. We put our focus on you. In your own words this morning, why don't you lift up praise to him, whether that's a prayer, whether that's a song, whether it's just silence, Lord. We magnify your name, Jesus. Father, you're so worthy. I love that picture that Pastor Hayden said she saw for us, that vision of you being seated on your throne, high and above all, fully exalted. And your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. Father, I'm glad that you're in this place today. You are worthy. You are deserving of full worship. That's what worship is. It's worth-ship. We give you what you're worth today. We give of ourselves. We give you the breath that's in our lungs because you gave it to us. So we lift up your name today. We speak Jesus over every situation. And we give you glory and praise for it. In the name of Jesus, in the matchless name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You can grab a seat in the presence of God this morning. Isn't he worthy? Isn't he worthy? Come on, let's give him some praise this morning. He's so, so good. He's a good father. Oh, man, I'm excited for today as we continue our worship. Uh, I have the honor of introducing, uh, I was going to say guest speaker, but he's not a guest. He's a son of the house. Uh, and I just briefly want to honor the family, the Lindsay family. Uh, a lot of you have been impacted by Beverly and Benny Lindsay, uh, pastors Beverly and Benny Lindsay. And uh, th just their, the seeds they've sown in this area for many years. And so uh, Bart and Lauren are products of that ministry. They have three lovely daughters. And uh, I, I think uh, we just got to give him a Dothan first welcome because he's a son of the house. So as he gets ready to come today, can we do our best to honor the man of God this morning, uh, Bart Lindsay, as he comes? Come on, let's, let's give him some honor. Oh, my word. No, 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 no. Thank you. You're very kind. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I'm, uh, nothing I have ever done or anything I'm about to do should merit that kind of response. Uh, I appreciate it. It's so humbling to be here. Uh, man, wow, look at you guys. I'm going to say a phrase that you say to a kid that you have not seen in a long time. My, look at how you've grown. <laughs> this is incredible. Come on, give yourselves a hand for that. That's amazing. 
This is so, so cool. We are honored to be here today. Uh, this is home, as Pastor Will said, uh, and we'll share a little bit in just a moment. You'll get to see a, a few of the things that we've been up to and how God has been faithful to us, but it's just, it's such a joy to see each and every one of you. I know so many of you here um, because of our history here and your history here, but just as thrilled as I am to see your smiling, familiar faces, I'm equally as happy to see so many faces that I do not know yet. That's awesome. Now, we're going to have some fun in church today. Is that okay? Okay, three of you said okay. The rest of you aren't sure yet. It's not too late if you want to go to church across the street. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just trying to loosen you up here today. It's, is it okay if we have fun in church? Okay, all right. So I just want to say, man, just seeing the crowd and seeing all the things that I get to see uh, online and stuff that your church is up to, man, it's just thrilled to see how God is blessing your church. And, and I know that comes really from every level of leadership. Let me just start by thanking all of you who are servant leaders and volunteers that serve week in and week out, Sundays and Wednesdays and outreaches and all the things that you guys do to make Dothan First happen. Because I'm going to tell you, not only did I grow up here, I got to serve six years on staff here and I got to see and work with some of you close, uh, uh, you know, uh, firsthand and you set the bar high. So like literally, you're stereotyped. So I, there's people in our group, and I'm like identifying. I'm like, ooh, oh, she's such a servant, such a helper. Such a, that's Trina Twine and Carla Gulledge rolled into one. Like, oh, that's a fixer. That's a Jack Hamilton. That's a, like I'm, I'm calling out all these names of people. They're like, oh, that's it. You guys just serve so selflessly and so effortlessly that it was a blessing to me, and you really set the bar high for all of our wonderful people at Brave Church. And we, ha we have a tremendous amount of people, uh, a tremendous team of people, I should say, that that are a, a part of our team there that just love to serve just like you did. And then moving up the, the levels of leadership, I know you guys have a tremendous uh, elder board, uh, pastors uh, Benny and Beverly Lindsay, who I'm ki I kind of like them. Um, of course, Scott and Terry Markham, Aubrey and Tiffany Sullivan. Listen, I can't think of three more qualified quality couples to help shepherd and pastor this flock. You need to honor those people. Tremendous couple. And then, of course, your staff, my word, you got like a murderer's row of pastors on this staff. I mean, Will and Lindsay Caesar, by the way, congratulations. Will's expecting. No, <laughs> no, so happy. Listen, you guys are crushing it. Every time I turn around, like more kids taking the camp, this, that, everything's bigger and better. And as a guy that used to stand in your position, I'm so glad you've taken it to the next level. Like, I'm, I'm so proud of you, man. You guys, like, you're like the most organized person ever. Like everybody brags about you, Lindsay, how you just keep things running. So they're a tremendous asset here. Pastor Adam and Andy Sullivan with all the, the worship ministries, man, just that set, everything about it, just at Pastor Adam, I don't know where you are. You're just killing it, man. I love, love worshiping. I just found the presence of Jesus. I forgot the rest of you were even in the room. Uh, and that's just a credit to his leadership as well. Pastor Hayden, who uh, all of the creative arts, social media. I don't know where she is, but we steal all of her ideas. Like, oh, they did it. They did that real. Let's put that on Instagram and claim it was ours. You know, like it's just everything is just so done, done with such a level of excellence. Pastors Josh and Natalie with the kids ministries. Can we stop for a second? Every time I come back home to visit, there is a new renovation, a new wing, a new children's something like you guys are busting at the seams and they're, they're, I, they can't keep up with the growth that is happening, but every space is like Disney. It's amazing. 
It's amazing. If you're watching online and you live in this area and you're not going to Dothan first, what's your deal? Like, get here. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. And, and you can't talk about faithfulness. You cannot talk about faithfulness without talking about Pastor Carl and Nicole Green. Steady hands at the wheel. And as a guy who started a church from nothing and got to see that whole administrative and financial side for the really first time, in his office today, I was like, bro, <laughs> I had no idea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I never turn receipts in on time. Staff members, turn your receipts in on time. Help him out. But listen, he's just phenomenal. He's done it for so long. He's just the best. And, of course, Pastors Wayne and Kathy. Pastor Kathy, happy birthday today. My goodness. I don't know. I have no idea what fountain of youth you are drinking from, but 39 never looks so good, girl. I mean, I'm telling you. And just Pastor Wayne, you guys just, the, the level of leadership. Some of you don't know kind of like the big deal that they are in the broader church world. Let me give you a relevant Alabama analogy since football is almost on the way. Can I get an amen? Imagine if Nick Saban retired from Alabama and then decided somebody woohooed that he was retiring. Are you an Auburn fan? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. War Eagle. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, imagine Nick Saban retired from Alabama and said, you know what? I'm going to go down the road to Troy and just be on staff and hold a clipboard and help out however I can. You'd go, you've got the goat on the sidelines holding a clipboard. You got the goats on the sidelines holding clipboards, generals of the faith over here, pastors of leadership development, man, phenomenal job that they're doing here as well. And how could we not mention, even though they're not here physically, the leadership, the gift, I'm probably going to get emotional. Pastors Mark and Michelle Benson. Wow, man, I don't, uh, I don't know where I'd be without them, quite frankly. They, they have helped me in ways that I can't express. Not just our church, certainly true. They're overseers in our, in our church. But to me and Lauren personally, and they're just a gift. And so all that team that I mentioned, and especially your lead pastors, can we just give it up for all of them right now? Give them a hand. Man, you're blessed. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's go. Show these people some love. Man. Well, this is my home church. I uh, was saved about that third or fourth row right over there on a Sunday night. We had a guest music group, Terry Davis and The Sound. I just dated myself by mentioning their name. But I slipped my little seven-year-old hand up and asked Jesus in my heart right over there. Got baptized right up there. Anybody else been baptized in that tank? Yeah, come on in. The water's fine. You know what I'm saying? Got married right about, I don't know, about this spot right here. Said I do. Uh, baptized two of my girls in that same tank as well. And so... This is, uh, this is home for us. As I mentioned, we got to come back here and serve on staff for six years, six wonderful years under Pastor Murray and Martha Kelly and then Pastors Mark and Michelle Benson, and it was a joy. And then a little over four years ago, I actually looked up the date last night just to see it was four years and nine days ago, we walked out of here on our last Sunday as staff pastors in July 14th, 2019, with really nothing but a dream in our heart that we felt like God had given us. It had become clear that God was leading us to abandon the shores of safety and comfort here for us and launch out into a city that only God could have put on our hearts and on our radar and start a new church there. It was a city we'd never lived in. It was a, a city that we literally had no connections in. It was a, a city that 
we had never even heard of until God brought it to us through some very unmistakable and miraculous ways. And so we left in 2019 with an eye to start this new church in 2020. <laughs> you remember 2020, right? <laughs> There's that old expression, if you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. He was laughing at us. Now you always start in that church in 2020. So we had to press pause and postpone for almost a full year. It was impossible to gather, impossible to meet with people. You know how the restrictions were here. You can imagine in the metropolitan area of the fourth largest city in America what it was like for us. And so literally on the heels of COVID coming out of that, really in March of 2021, having to press pause for a full year, we started to hold some small meetings, small get still couldn't have a certain number uh, of people together, all the things, even in, into 2021. And, and we did as much as we could. And in September, uh, September 19th, 2021, we had our first official service as Brave Church. And in the last 22 months, they've been filled with a lot of sweetness. I'm telling you, a lot of sweetness. And a lot of hard work. <laughs> a lot of hard work. Um, I mean, it's been the, the most rewarding and most humbling work I've ever done. No doubt about it. If you've never planted a church, here's what it's like. It's like jumping out of an airplane and then realizing you don't have a parachute. Because every day you wake up and you go, oh, dear God, please save me. Don't let me die. <laughs> dear God, don't let me crash and burn today. Every day, every day, we had no people. We had no money. We had no building. We've had nothing. And, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that, that, that idea of, of uh, parachuting. In, in the broader church planting world and organizations and, denom and denominations, there's really three ways you, you plant a church. You kind of take a team with you, and we know people that, that have done that, and they, they take some people from where they were and go to this new place, or they go to a place where they've been before, and they have people there, connections because of where they've lived. And then you have the third group, people that just went. <laughs> and we didn't know anyone, we didn't have anything. And literally that phrase, what they call that is parachuting into a city. When I talk to other church planters and I tell them our story, they're like, oh, you guys just, you just parachuted in. And I'm like... That makes sense, but in the Greek, para means with. There was no with. There was no para. There was just shoot, we're out here, you know? So like, here we are. But despite all the obstacles, God, God's been so faithful to us. So faithful to us. And I'd love to give you just a 90-second glimpse from views of our city to some of those first few small gatherings I talked about over the last 22 months to what God has done. Can we take a look at this video today?
none of that is possible without God and also without you guys because I get texts on a regular basis saying we're praying for you this morning. Go be brave. Give them God's word from so many of you. In fact, not just prayer support, but even financial support. There are some of you that four years later, like a missionary, you still support us monthly to this day. And without your faith invested in us through prayer, through giving, through all the ways, even just the times that you ask about us, and my parents tell me, I just want you to know, thank you for believing in us. God's doing great things. Uh, We've seen people uh, uh, set free, delivered. We've seen marriages healed. We've had physical healings take place. We've had people get baptized. As you saw, over 150 people have come to know Jesus because of this man. We had no idea. We, just, we were just trying to be obedient at the time, and it's been just a wild, wild time. We've moved three times in three years, three different schools, uh, none of our own doing, but every single time, every time I was frustrated at God, God, why is the air conditioner keep going out at this school and they have to move us to a second school? Okay, God, why is the air conditioner keep going out at this second school and we have to move to a third school? Why, God, why? And then the other day, a few weeks ago, I reached out into our crowd and I thought, I, I, I'm teaching this message on dealing with disappointment. And I said, hey, let me just, for my own benefit, let me just do something. And I said, if you came to Brave Church when we were at that first school in our first six months, raise your hand, a third of our crowd. I said, okay, if you found us in that second school at Baines Middle School, we were only there three months. If you came to us during that time, raise your hand, a third of our crowd. If you've been with us in the last year, Thornton Middle School, You found us since we've been here. Raise your hand, a third of our crowd. And God showed me in that moment, if I'd given you what you thought you wanted, you never would have reached these other people. They never would have found you. Families literally on a Sunday walk with their kids in a stroller down. Oh, there's a church. We may have to go there next Sunday. And they never would have found us had we stayed at the first school. So I'm not even preaching. This is free. (laughs) Listen to me today. If you're dealing with disappointment, trust that God's got you. Trust that he's got it covered, and what you see as a delay or a disappointment will set you up in the direction of your destiny. Now, are you ready for God's word today? All right, get your Bibles out. Let's do this thing today. We're going to be turning to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I'd love for you to take some notes today. Our church, uh, I try to get them to take notes every every single Sunday. We're a note-taking church. Note-takers are history makers, and I believe that if you'll write some stuff down today, get the, the, the notes app out on your phone, if you've got a notebook with you, or if you were like me, seven years old, sitting on that third row, grab the back of an offering envelope and go to town. Because I believe that if you'll write some stuff down, it will be of great benefit in retention and recall, all right? While you're turning to Colossians chapter 3 today, can we just take a second and pray? Don't you put your hand on your heart. I'm going to lead you in a quick prayer. Would you just pray this prayer after me today? Say, Heavenly Father, let me hear from you today. Show me what I need to see. Teach me what I need to hear. I boldly confess to you. My ears are open. My mind is alert. And my spirit's receptive to what you want to say to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know this is a group of varied size and background. There's different socioeconomic levels, different education levels. There's different ethnicities in this room. There's different uh, uh, faith backgrounds in this room. Some of you have been following Jesus a long time. 
Uh, maybe you've been a part of this particular denomination. There's other denominations represented. Uh, some of you have been following Jesus just a few months. There's, there's so just a vast array of people represented here in the room today. But here is what I know to be true of every single person, every single one of you in this room. No matter what your background, no matter where you came from, we all have one thing in common. It's that before you left the house today, you stopped in front of a mirror and did one of these. Right? You checked it out and you said, I like what I see. Let's roll. And if you didn't do that, we can all tell. <laughs> I'm just kidding, kind of. Uh, because it is impossible to get ready in the morning without examining yourself, not just in the morning, but throughout your day, too. I read a stat recently that said that women, hello, ladies, women look in the mirror an average of 38 times a day. Somebody over here said, that seems low to me, <laughs> right? Men, you're not off the hook either. We tend to look in the mirror an average of 18 times a day. And, and it is the quintessential habit, and rightfully so, because you cannot expect the way that you looked at 7 a.m. getting ready to be the same way you looked at 2 or 2.30 or 3 in the afternoon, because things change. Maybe you went to lunch, and you got some spinach in your teeth. Maybe you got something in your nose, you got to check it out, stop by the restroom, check out the mirror. Maybe you got something in your hair. If you got a weave, you got to make sure your hair's still in. Like there's, a, there's all kinds of things. You got to do some routine maintenance and check some things out. Because the way, and not even the way you looked when you left the house. The way you looked when you left the house wasn't even the way you looked when you woke up this morning. Because there was a process, ladies. And every husband who has, who has ever sat in the living room watching Sports Center while your wife has gotten ready, say amen. But men, we cannot just appreciate the product. We have to appreciate the process. And all the ladies said, see, I'm getting everybody in on this today. And so there's some serious work that it took to get whatever it was that you woke up as today into what we see before our eyes today. And that is one of the reasons, and there are several, by the way, but that is one of the reasons that we recommend to single people that you not sleep together before you get married. Because no one should see what you look like in the morning until there is legally no way out of it. Because <laughs> that's when you realize, oh, those eyelashes come off. <laughs> those fingernails come off. That, hey, oh, she wasn't even a redhead. That was a wig. Right? <laughs> so you have to check the mirror. You have to do a little. My, my kids keep me up on the, the latest you know, teenage language and they're embarrassed right now on the front row they're like dad please stop but they keep me in check and, and you know you have to they they tell me you have to do like a an outfit check or what we would call a fit check right so they came in today and, and I said do, do I pass the fit check and they were like yeah yeah you're you're pretty cool dad pretty cool I'll never be cool but I'm pretty cool right so you have to check it out look in the mirror because what you did at seven in the morning for 30 minutes or an hour may not last if you've got a long day 12 14 hours there's no way that will last unless you, unless you do some routine maintenance and updates and upkeep along the way. And in the same way, you cannot expect the transformative work that God has done in your life to endure and last if you don't take some time to examine your life in the light and the mirror of God's Word. In the same way a mirror serves to shape and maintain your appearance, God's Word serves to shape and maintain your soul. So I want to help you today. Is it okay if I help you? I want to help you pull some choices, some attitudes, some mindsets, perhaps some patterns off the rack today 
and hold them up to the light in the mirror of God's word and examine them. I want you to let, the, let it be the mirror of self-reflection. We're going we're gonna to do five things, and then I'm going to ask you three questions at the end. So let's start in Colossians chapter 3 today. Colossians 3, verse 1. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Let's stop right there for a second. This is how this is going to work. I'm just going to read and make commentary. He starts out in the very first sentence, clearly identifying his audience. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ. So he's talking to Christians in, in, the, in the room. He's talking to Christians in that audience. He's going, hey, those of you that call yourself believers, those of you that call yourself followers of Jesus, you church-going folk, listen up today. And by extension, if you're here in the room and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, a believer, a Christian, a Christ follower, we secondarily fall in line with that as well. So if that's you, listen up. He's talking to you. He says, since you're a Christian, set your sights on the reality of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So the first thing I want you to do today, if you're taking notes, is this. He wants us to look at our life. Number one is look at our life. Look at your life today. Just stop. Just pause. I know you got bills to pay. I know you got work tomorrow. I know the kids are out of school and they're driving you crazy and you can't wait for the first day of school to get back in. I know you got all the things, right? You got meetings and doctors. Just stop for a sec. Can we stop and look at our life today? And then he carries us on in verse 2. He says, I want you to think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So after we look at our life, the second thing, number two, is he wants us to think big picture. Let's think big picture. Life is but a vapor. Let's not get our eyes completely on ourselves. Let's view things in the light of eternity. Let's develop an eternal perspective. Is the, thing, the things that I'm doing, is that going to matter 100 years from now? Is that going to matter in the light of eternity? Will I look back from heaven and be glad I did that, said that, uh, went to that place? Is, it, is that the stuff we want to do? Is it going to matter 100 years from now? Think big picture. And then verse 3, he says, for you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Look at verse 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. This is the third point today. You ready? He calls us to look at our life, think big picture, and then we got to examine ourselves. Now that we've seen the reality of heaven and eternity, now that we view God in all of his glory and everything assumes its proper proportion, now that thing that I feel, that thing that I'm thinking, that pattern, that habit, that choice, that attitude, whatever it is, God, is that what you want me to have? And he, he, Paul knew his audience so well. He knew the Colossians, and he goes, I'm really going to have to spell this out for them. Because I can leave it in general terms, but they're going to have some questions. And so, you know, there's no FaceTime. There's no Zoom. I don't want to have to write another letter. My hand's getting tired. Let me just spell it out for them right now. Look at what he says. He says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Boy, that's a broad term there. Can I break that down for you? In the, in the New Testament, sexual immorality was this Greek word porneia. Porneia, I bet you can get what English word comes from porneia. Yeah, pornography. And so it's this idea of selling off God's standard for sexuality. It could be anything from having an affair to committing adultery, pornography use, homosexuality, premarital sex, pedophilia, and the list goes on. Basically, anything outside of a, a, a one adult male and one adult female in a covenant relationship of marriage with each other, he says anything out of that, you're selling off God's standard for sex. Whoa. 
And then he goes, you guys still aren't getting it. Let me drill down a little bit more. He continues, impurity, lust, evil desires. Now he's stepping on some toes, even in this room. Oh, my word. Don't be greedy, he says, for a greedy person is an idolater. You might as well go worship a wooden statue. He says, worshiping things of this world. In other words, money cannot be your master. Money's a great motivator, but it's a terrible master. You may have started out really with noble desires. Bart, I've just, I've got to work two jobs. I've got to put food on the table. I've got to feed my kids. I've got to pay my rent. I get it, my friends. Literally, we left here with nothing. I get it. I get it. But there's times when you, you veer off the course of pure motives and you've you got to make more. You've got to get that raise. You've got to make that sale. You've got to get that promotion. And it's all focused on you and what you can get and getting more money. And Paul says, you've made money your idol. Stop, stop, stop. Look at verse 6. He says, because of these sins, God's anger or wrath, some versions say, is coming. Now, I'm going to read that again. Because of these sins, God's anger or wrath is coming. Now, I know that's not popular in today's world. I know saying that is not going to get me on the New York Times bestseller list or things like that. I totally get that. It's shocking for people to hear because we love messages about God's grace. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Oh, come on, somebody. We love God's grace, don't we? His mercies are new every morning. Woo, come on. We get excited about that. We love that. We love messages about his love because God is love. We love those things because they make us feel good and they build us up and they tickle our ears. But we shy away from messages that make us uncomfortable and scriptures that challenge us and remind us that there are consequences to our sins. But the reality is to just preach on grace and love, and this is not true in this church because this is a full gospel church, by the way, I know that. But I just need to remind all of us, if all we do is, is embrace the messages that we hear and we embrace the scriptures that make us feel good and encourage us and pump us up and we reject the ones that challenge us, then it's not the Bible we believe, it's ourselves. Come on now. Is it okay if I preach today? Okay, I was going to do it whether you said to or not. It's just... FYI, but I, I don't want to give you half the story. I want to give you a complete story. Think, think about this, Noah's Ark. What a great story. We love that. It's so cute, and we decorate our nurseries with Noah's Ark, and there's a little rainbow coming out and two giraffes and two zebras, and oh, it's so cute. We're going to put that right over the baby's bed. Yes, we love the Ark, but the Ark doesn't just speak to us of safety. The ark speak to, speaks to us of destruction. The ark is worthless if destruction and the flood isn't real. The cross of Jesus Christ, every person in this room knows the story of the cross, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. By the way, if you're not a Christian in the room today, can I just say how amazing it is that you're here today? You're welcome here. But Bart, I don't believe what you believe. You're welcome here today. But I don't vote how you vote. You are welcome here today. The cross of Jesus Christ doesn't just speak to us of the victory that he brought because the cross is meaningless unless hell is real. Wear it around your neck. Cool. That's awesome. But it doesn't just speak to us of victory. It speaks to us of judgment visited on God instead of us. And so if, if as I said, Paul speaks to these sins. He says God's judgment is coming. And, you know, God's ju judgment doesn't just mean after you die. There's literally consequences that God can bring into our life now. If you've ever reaped 
What, or if you've ever, uh, you know, reaped what you've sown, you know the, the truth of that, the law of the harvest, right? God can bring judgment and punishment and consequences into our present life. That's why it's so important to allow the Holy Spirit to whisper to us and shine the light of His Spirit on us and help us to examine what we put on each day, whether it's robes of righteousness or the filthy, tattered rags of our old life, and what we choose to put on matters. Look at verse 7. You used to do those things when your life was still a part of this world. You used to. You used to. He, again, he's talking to Christians. If you've been saved five minutes or 50 years, he says that was the old you. The old you. Now, let's do a quick survey in this room. Maybe you're here. Has anybody been saved three years or less? Anybody? A few people? Awesome. Awesome. Great. I know you're like, I don't want to embrace my hand. Like, I get it. I get it. All right, let's do this. Let's do head nods. That's, everybody got it? Three years or less, nod at me. Okay. I see I'm seeing more head nods. You just didn't want to raise your hand. I get it. I get it. All right, if you've been saved 10 years or less, head nods? Yes. 25 years or less, I'm seeing more head nods. If you've been saved, how about this, more than 25 years, can I just, I've seen a lot of head nods on that one. Great. No matter how long you've been saved, five minutes or 50 years, do you remember you, B.C., before Christ? I remember Bart, B.C., some of you in this room have been around long enough to remember Bart, B.C. Thank God you know Bart, A.D. <laughs> Man, one of the things I'm most grateful for in my life, young people, I thank God for a list of things every single day. And on that list, one of those things is, God, I'm so grateful. And there was no social media when I was a teenager. Bless your name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nothing to the stupid things I did. Don't live on the Internet anywhere for anybody to see. Hallelujah. You're so good. Right? I remember. Amen. Amen. But you remember what your life was like before Christ. And while some of us think we're perfect, we're, we're not. It's a, it's a progressive work of sanctification. Like, I, I'm not who I want to be. Like, I'm striving to get there. And as disappointing as that might be sometimes, look at me. Thank God I'm not who I used to be anymore. Thank God for his grace that set me free. But he says, verse 8, now's the time to get rid of anger. Get rid of anger. But we justify our anger. Well, you know, Bart, my granddaddy, he had a, he had a temper, boy, I tell you. My dad, he, he had an anger problem. And this is, this is just who we are, I guess. This is, I just inherited it. No, friends, according to Colossians 3 and what Paul is saying here, echoing the words of Jesus, that is not who you are. It's supposed to be who you were. That's a part of your old life. But sometimes we let some of that old stuff creep back in. Look at what he goes on to say. Rage. How about road rage? Anybody driven on Ross Clark Circle lately? <laughs> then he keeps going, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. What, what could that mean? Could that mean telling dirty? It could be. It could be vulgar, you know, things that are just, you know, sexually inappropriate, lewd comments, innuendos, locker room talk. Could be, you know, some of that kind of stuff. It could be just abusive. Are you talking down to someone? Are you belittling someone? Are you berating someone? Are you in a position of power on your job and you are just absolutely slamming the secretary who's giving her opinion when she should realize she's just a secretary? It's abusive language. Maybe it's profanity. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. <laughs> okay, I've seen a shirt that said that. I'm like, that's your old life. That's old you. That's B.C. 
If we talk the same, think the same, you know, act the same as the rest of the world, what kind of light and example are we? Verse 9, don't lie to each other for you have stripped off, and this is where you start using the, the clothing analogy, stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. So the fourth thing I want you to know, you got to look at your life, you got to think big picture, you got to examine yourself. The fourth thing is you got to take something off. You got to take something off. And then in verse 10, he says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and be like him. So it's not enough just to take something off. I know a lot of people that they they will tell you all the things they don't do. Well, I don't do this and I don't participate in that and I've never done this and I don't go here and I don't listen to this. That's great. That's awesome. But all you're doing is telling me the stuff you've taken off. You haven't told me about anything you put on. So basically, you're just a spiritual nudist walking around. You got to put something on. You got to put something. That's the tweetable moment of the day right there. Put something on. That's your fifth one. Put something on. And that's our goal because I want to be more like Jesus. The deeper my faith, the closer I get to him, the more you should see Jesus and the less you should see Bart. I want people, look, I pray this at the, you know, you do the whole blessing and benediction thing. I've, I've adopted that at our church. It's straight, I told you, I steal everything y'all do. <laughs> I, I, I made it my own from Pastor Mark. But the last thing I say in our blessing every single day, every single Sunday is may you be such a blessing to every man, woman, and child that you meet that they will know what God is like just by being around you. And I send our people out every Sunday with that. I want our people to be like little agents of Jesus. You know, that, that mini Jesus. The term Christian means little Jesus is mini Christ. And I want our people to be out little versions of Jesus every day in their neighborhood. So, uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, he says, uh, wrap up this section here. Verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Stop right there. Somebody needs to hear this. God chose you. God chose you. I'm going to say it again. God chose you. Some of us are convinced that life is like an elementary school playground and this is a cosmic game of kickball or dodgeball and God was picking teams and you were the last one. And so he's like, okay, fine, I guess I got Bart. He's the only one left. Come on, Bart. God is not stuck with you. He chose you. He handpicked you. He selected you. Some of you have been so hurt and rejected and wounded because a father walked out on you, a spouse walked out on you, a a, a boss fired you, a teacher told you were no good, a parent told you that you were a mistake, but God handpicked you. You were worth dying for. Is anybody awake out there today? So since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, because he chose you, because you were hand-selected, look at what the rest of the verse says, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy. He told us all this stuff to take off. Now he's telling you what to put on. Tenderhearted mercy. You need to put on some kindness. Throw on some humility. Throw some, throw, uh, some gentleness and patience around you. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all else, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. So I'm going to review those five things quickly, and then we're going to move to our, the last few moments together. So look at your life. Begin to think big picture. Examine yourself in the light of what the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart. When he reveals those things, when he shines the light of his love and grace on those areas of your life, have the courage to take them off. And then don't just stop there. Have the courage, be brave enough to put on the righteous replacement. 
So when you look at uh, red carpet shows, things like the, the Golden Globes or the Oscars, they always ask one question when somebody walks up in their fancy outfit. What is the question they always ask? Sir, tell us, who are you wearing? What are you wearing? Why do they ask that? I think that's important because what you're wearing says a lot about who you're becoming. And I think, I think they ask them that because they want to know a little bit more about who that person is, not just the thing they've seen on the movies. They ask them that. And so what we as Christians, what we've wrapped ourselves in, what we've clothed ourselves in, really is an indicator of who God is making us to be. So I want to give you three questions to ask in our final moments together for you to examine yourself properly. We're going to look at, at God's word. Let it be a mirror for us today. We're going to hold it up and allow it to, to examine our choices, our habits, our patterns, our thoughts, any areas of insecurity. And the first question you need to ask as you examine yourself is, does it still fit? I don't know why y'all laughing. This is my 1992 National League West Champions Atlanta Brave t-shirt. I was 11 years old. Does anybody remember 1992? You got a Brave shirt on right back there. What's up, my brother? Ah, there we go. Now, I don't know if you remember 1992. The Braves don't play in the National League East back then. They played in the West, which is geographically confusing because they played in the, in the same division as the like, San Diego Padres and San Francisco Giants and stuff like that. But they won the National League West, which means they went to the National League Championship Series in 1992. And if you remember that one, it was one for the ages, my friends. It was the bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. They were down two to one. And 25-year-old Francisco Cambrera comes up to bat, and he strokes a beautiful line drive into left center field where playing for the Pittsburgh Pirates at that time was Barry Bonds. And Barry Bonds fielded that thing and came up. One run came in from third base. And then standing on second base before he hit that ball was like 87-year-old Sid Bream, okay? This guy was, he may have been the original Brave. I'm not sure. But like, he was on second base when that ball was hit. So the first run scored. So he comes chugging around third at 0.5 miles an hour. I'm not kidding. Look this clip up. It's amazing. It's like he's running in slow motion. And he just slides in. And I mean, just barely by a whisker, by a breath, beats the tag. The Braves win three to two. They go to the World Series, and I got a T-shirt. Hello. I was 11 years old, and I had to support my Braves. It was my favorite. I wore this shirt everywhere. Now, fast forward 30 years. What if you and I were out in the mall today, and you came up to me, and you're like, "Hey, good. To, what is happening with that too small T-shirt? It's about three sizes too small." Some of you are shocked that I was 11 years old, and I can still almost fit into this. It's because I'm fun size, right? Look at me. Some of you would look at me and go, Bart, what's happening with that t-shirt? Because like, do we need to take up an offering at church? Like, are things that bad at Brave Church? No, we're doing well. But what if my response to you was, um, what you talking about? I don't see anything wrong with this. I think, I think this is great. This is amazing. This is my favorite. I love this shirt so much. It's, it's just the best. I have so many memories with this shirt. I just wore it everywhere, and it's the best. I just, I don't want to take it off ever. I sleep in it. I shower in it. It's just the greatest. <laughs> you would look at me and go, bro, I don't care if it's your favorite. It don't fit. Look at me today. 
We've got to examine the choices in our life, our attitudes, our actions, our perspectives, our habits, and say, God, does this still fit? Does this still fit? But I got, I got great memories with it, Bart. Me and, me and that thing, we've been through a lot together. I, I get it. But just because it was a part of your history doesn't mean it's supposed to be part of your destiny. Can I say that one more time? Just because it's a part of your history doesn't mean it's supposed to be a part of your, your destiny. And some of us have an affection to attitudes or habits or things that we did in our past. But if Jesus is really our Lord, they, don't just, they just don't fit us anymore. They just don't fit us anymore. It's time to take those things off. You can't do what you used to do, say what you used to say, think how you used to think. That, that outburst of anger, that pattern that, well, this is just how I am. No, no, no. That's not who you are anymore. You have been bought with a price. It's time to put on your new life. But I got a lot of memories, a lot of good memories. Me and that habit got through some dark nights. I know. Jesus wants to get you through those dark nights now. Jesus wants to be the thing that you lean on. Can I be honest? We even do this with people. We hang on to relationships because we've got history with them. But we went to high school together, Bart. You don't even understand. You should have seen the stuff we did in high school. I know, but you ain't in high school no more, honey. And respectfully, this is not a comment towards that person. It's more a compliment to you. The reason you need to move on is because you've outgrown them. You've outgrown them. You've moved forward. You've got your life in the right direction. You're trending upward. You're moving closer with the Lord. And they, that person, that, that co-worker, that friend from high school, that whatever it is, they're stale, stuck where you used to be and don't want to go back to. I'm not telling you you have to block their number. I'm not telling you you can never speak to them again. I'm just telling you, is it time to examine some of those things and say, does, does this still fit for where God has me? Does this still fit anymore? See, I think if you're going to grow, your garment has to reflect your growth. Your people have to reflect your progress. Your habits have to reflect your health. And some of those habits, maybe you've outgrown some of that stuff that you used to do. Just because it's part of your history doesn't mean that it needs to be a part of your destiny. The second thing, so you're going to ask, does it still fit? The second question I want you to ask, when you look in the mirror of God's word, you examine yourself, is does it match? Does it match literally anything? <laughs> I don't know if the camera people back there can get a shot of this. This is, this is a taco with a cat coming out of it. Does it match anything? And the answer is no, it doesn't. Because it doesn't matter what I wear. I can wear, you know, black jeans, shorts, joggers, swimsuits, spacesuits, wetsuits. It's not going to match anything, anything in anybody's closet because it's ugly. It's ugly. It just doesn't match. And Lauren has had to help me match things before because I'm not a good, you know, clothes matcher. And she's like a fashionista, I think is the right word. Not a fascist, that's something different. Fashionista. And so she's like all about, you know, what works. She has to give me all of these rules. I don't know the rules, guys. Used to, you could not wear black and brown together. Apparently you can now. Used to, you couldn't wear white after Labor Day. Oh, it's totally fine. Do whatever you, it's just mayhem out there. So I just walk into her and I'm like, hey, we good? She's like, you're good. Or sometimes she's like, no, did like Pastor Kelly help you get ready? What's happening? I'm like, I love you, Pastor Kelly. <laughs> Uh, she, she lays my clothes out for me. I feel like Pastor Kelly, right? So, um, 
So she helps me because I just don't know what goes there. I don't know what matches. Not only does it not match because it's just awful. If you know anything about me, you know I'm a dog person. So wearing a cat shirt is very out of my character. My church knows this. I make some lighthearted, tongue-in-cheek jokes about cats. All dogs go to heaven and cats. You know, just saying. Dogs are man's best friend. Cats, the spawn of Satan, you know, just st stuff like that. And so if you knew that about me, and, and a lot of you know we, we've had dogs, and we still have a dog, all that stuff, you would see me in this, check with me, you would see me in this and go, hold up, why do you have a shirt with cats on it? Everything I know about you doesn't line up. Everything you say you are doesn't match what I see you in. That doesn't line up with who you profess to be. And in the same way, there is a world and a community watching around us, Dothan First. And some of the things we do, some of that attitude on our job, our coworkers are watching go, oh, I thought you were a Christian. That doesn't line up to what you said you were. They are watching to see if it still matches who we profess to be. Much the same way, we call ourselves a Christian. But when we get in a jam, we can lie our way out of that situation as fast as any non-Christian in the world. How about this? We're supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit at work in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience. But we were on Ross Clark Circle, and somebody cuts us off, and we're going to be late to work. Baby, you're going to get an eye roll at me. You're going to get a name call, a horn call, and maybe even a hand gesture. You know, you're number one, uh, you know. What happened to that fruit of the Spirit that's supposed to be at work in our life? It doesn't match. Does it match the transformative work and redemptive grace of Jesus that's supposed to be on display in our life? Or are our choices totally in opposition to that? Maybe, how about this one? Maybe we have experienced the grace and mercy and unending forgiveness of Jesus Christ. But if you wrong us, we're going to hold a grudge till our dying day. And we will never speak to you again. Does that represent the work of Christ in our heart? Does that represent his grace and mercy on display for us? Those things don't seem to match. It doesn't match what he's done in our life. It doesn't match what the Bible tells us to do. It doesn't match who he's called us to be. And it doesn't match who the world knows us to be. And if we're going to be representatives to Jesus, for Jesus in our city, then we got to look at our life and go, does this still match? Last question. You ready? You're holding your life up to the... Ooh, I dropped a hanger. You're holding your life up to the truth of God's word, the mirror of self-reflection, and you're asking yourself, well, does it fit? Does it still fit? Does it match? And lastly, is it appropriate? <laughs> is it appropriate? Subtitle, is it appropriate for where God wants to take me? Is it appropriate for where I'm headed? Because truth be told, you would not wear the same outfit to a football game that you would to a wedding. Well, I am in Alabama, so maybe I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but you wouldn't. You wouldn't wear the same outfit to a formal occasion as you would to a dress-down casual occasion. You wouldn't. And there have been times when I've been caught off guard wearing either overdressed or underdressed for the occasion. There was a situation where Lauren and I we, we were invited to someone's house. And we thought, oh, they're just having a get-together at their house on a Friday night. 
So we roll up from work and get the kids babysitters and just you get ready. And, and we go and we stroll up, you know, in like jeans and a t-shirt. And they're having a full-blown dinner party. Sport coats, ladies in dresses. And I look at her and I'm like, this is not appropriate <laughs> for, for this occasion and this situation. So you have to ask yourself, is this still appropriate? And such is the case in our lives. There's times and seasons where God is wanting to dress us up in the season for success that he's calling us to, but we are completely unprepared because we are still clinging to the tattered rags of yesterday. God's calling is for you to put on a new nature. Now, this question is not about your ambition or your career goals. It's, it's, it's about what God is leading and calling you to do. Let me just share something in our last moment together here. Maybe God is asking you to step up to the next level of leadership here at Dothan First. Maybe you're here as a consumer, and God says it's time to contribute. Maybe you're already contributing, and now God says it's time to go from doing to leading. What is the next step in your journey that God is calling you to? Maybe God's wanting to give you greater impact and greater influence into the life of others. Maybe God's calling you up a level. I've seen in the Bible and in, in my life, in positions where God gets you in position for greater leadership, look at this. I've seen this in my life and in the Bible. When God calls you higher in leadership, he doesn't just ask you to say yes to something. A lot of times he asks you to say no to some things. You want to go up, you got to grow up. This idea of being set apart, it's a pyramid of leadership. The higher you go up the ladder, the, the, the ladder of the, the leadership pyramid, the more responsibilities you have and the fewer rights you have. Being set apart. In the Old Testament, the Levites, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, they were set apart. They couldn't do everything that everybody else was doing. And what I've noticed in the, the 21st century American Christian church is we want to be able to do everything and have everything too. God says, if you want to have everything, you can't do everything. And if you want to do everything, you're not going to be able to have everything I have for you. It's not just saying yes to God's invitation. Sometimes it's literally saying, no, I can't do that. No, I don't do that. No, I'm getting that out of my life. I was telling this story to somebody a couple weeks ago. I can remember when I was in college, and there's young people in the room. And you know what the stereotypical college life is. People doing all kinds of stuff, wild things, and this and that. Some good, some not. Truthfully, I had a lot of opportunities around me. And I'm not the greatest person ever, nor am I perfect, but I made a decision in my life at that age because I knew where I was headed. There are some things in my life I'm going to say no to. And young people in the room, you may get some looks. You may get some naysayers. You, you may get some people calling you names. But let me just tell you something. It matters more what God says about you than what anybody else says about you. His opinion is the only one that matters. At the end of the day and a hundred years from now, you will not remember the name they called you, but you will remember when he said, well done, good and faithful servant. His opinion is the only one that matters. So he wants to dress us up for success in this next season of our life, in this next season of influence and opportunity that he's given us. But we cannot dress our best if we're still clinging to the tattered rags of yesterday. You got to take off that old life and put on the new. God is calling every single person in here. There's still more life in you. I know there's some seasoned veterans of the faith in this room. I get where I am. 
Some of you have been serving Jesus longer than I've been alive. I want to tell you something. You may be retired vocationally. It is not time to retire spiritually. It is not time to retire ministerially. There is a generation beneath you that needs your wisdom. As long as there is breath in your body, there is work for you to do. If you're not dead, God's not done. Come on and pour into this next generation. Pour into them. Well, Bart, I did that for 50 years. You can do it for 10 more. What if your last 10 were your best 10? What if there's still more in you to pour out senior adult, grandparent in this room? What if there's more in you that God has taken you the last 50 years to teach you and train you and develop you so that the next 10, maybe your last 10 or 20, a lot of these young people, a lot of these young couples that are encountering situations, they've been married two years or five years and they're going through a hard time they don't think they're going to make it and they need a seasoned veteran of the faith to walk alongside in robes of righteousness and hold their hand through a dark time. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And what I've noticed in the darkest and lonely valleys of my life is it wasn't just Jesus with me. A lot of times it was Jesus working through a person beside me. Come on. You got to take off those old lies. Get rid of that mindset. Get rid of that thinking pattern. Get rid of that choice. Put on the new. That poor choice, that attitude, that, that habit, even that sin, it's not worth compromising your character, your calling, and your influence over. God's trying to dress up your leadership. And look at me. Some opportunities are black tie only. You can't just show up in whatever you want. You got to be dressed for that event. There are some doors, some, some events you will not get into without the right attire. And he wants to dress you in robes of righteousness today. Last question. I want you to write this down. Does your soul have the integrity to handle the weight of where God wants to take you? Does your soul have the weight, or have the integrity to handle the weight of where God wants to take you. Because God will not release something through you until you release what's in you. God will not release what, something through you until you release what is in you. So I want you to stand with me as we close today in a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, all across this place, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we open up our hearts to you. And God, I just thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your goodness for your mercy, for your never-ending love for us. God, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I know this message was specifically, God, for uh, those in the room that were followers of Jesus. But across this place, if you're here today, I, I already welcomed you, and I hope I disarmed any apprehension that you might have had. But if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a Christ follower... You're not in right relationship with your Lord and Savior. Can I just lovingly say to you today, friend, you don't have to walk out the same way that you came in. Today, Christ can make you new. You can take off those, ro those rags of, of your old life and put on a new nature of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control today. So all across this house, first question today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, but you want today to be the day that you know him for the first time, I'm going to slip my hand up so you're not the first and you're not alone. Is there anybody in the room that would join me and just slip their hand up with me and say, yeah, Bart, pray for me today. 
Yep. As soon as you slip it up, you can slip it right back down. Thanks, guys. Anybody else? Already been two. Anybody else? Amen. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to pray a prayer in just a moment, and then I'm going to come back with a second question. So let's pray this prayer. Everybody in the room, we're a family, right? We're a family. We're going to pray this prayer together. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for seeing something in me worth dying for. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Now I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sin, erase my past, delete my wrong, and make me new today. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And from this day forward, I'll follow you for the rest of my days. The old life is gone. I put on the new life today. In Jesus' name. Now I want you to stay in this moment of prayer real quick and, and with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to talk to every Christian in the room. I want, to, I want to create an atmosphere of comfortable vulnerability in our last moment together. And some of you just, when, when I said that, you went comfortable vulnerability. That seems like an oxymoron, like jumbo shrimp. Comfortable, how, how can you be comfortable and be vulnerable? How can you be vulnerable and, and still be comfortable? That's because People shame us when we're vulnerable. We're uncomfortable because people condemn us. But in the light of God's presence, there is comfortable vulnerability because he's not shaming you. He's not mad at you. God's not judging you. He's not sitting up in heaven waiting for you to mess up so he can zap you with lightning and say, Ha, I knew they'd blow it. God loves you. Romans 8, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So Christians in the room today, Paul was talking to us. It doesn't matter, again, if you've been saved five minutes or 50 years. You prayed at the beginning with your hand on your heart, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Show me what I need to see. Tell me what I need to hear. And my prayer is that over the last 30 minutes or so, he has been doing that. And he has shown the light, not of his judgment, but of his grace. He has whispered, not words of condemnation, but words of invitation. Child, son, daughter, let's get rid of that thing. Let, let me take that out of your life. Let me help you get rid of this once and for all. Because I'm calling you to make an influence on your job. I'm calling you to make an influence in your neighborhood. I'm calling you to win this city for Jesus. And hanging on to that old habit, you'll never get there, friend. So Christian, seasoned veteran of the faith, what's the area of your life that he's asking you to take off today? What's the area of your life? Now, here's what I want to do. I just, I prayed about this and I really felt like this is what the Lord wanted us to do. I'm going to ask every adult in the room to just stay standing, but just stay in a quiet, in a quiet moment of prayer. And I'm going to ask the young people to lead us today. I know a lot of these young people went to youth camp. They're fired up, charged up, got more enthusiasm in their pinky than we do in our whole body. I'm going to let the young people lead us in prayer today, and then we're going to join in. I, I think that's important. I've been to a lot of college football games in my life, and you know what? I did? Everybody remember the wave? Woo! You know where the wave always started? Not in the alumni section, in the student section. The wave of momentum starts in the young people. So I just want to ask today, 
Adults, stand, let's stand reverently for one moment. Young people in this room, if you're 20 or under, I'm going I'm to begin to pray, and I want you to begin to get vocal with your faith and pray out loud. It's time to step up, young people. And then in just a few moments, parents, I'm going to invite you to begin to pray. You're going to see a generation rise up of hunger and thirst. They're going to lead us today. Young people, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. We open up our hearts to you. We open up our lives to you. And we say, search us and know us. We quote the words of the psalmist David. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, but restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Come on, young people. Come on, let's, let's begin to pray more. Let's pray deeper. Let's call out to God here. God, show us the places of our life that need to be changed. Show us the habits that need to be broken in our youth so that they don't follow us into adulthood. We don't want to have to deal with this 20 years from now when we're married. We don't want to have to deal with this as a father and a mother. Stop it in, adult, in, in our adolescence now and let us not carry it into our destiny, God. God, shine the light of your presence and your grace and your convicting mercy on us so that we can fulfill our potential and our destiny and become the people you've called us to be. You hear it. Listen, listen, teenagers. Keep going. Keep going. Everybody in the room, listen to the teenagers. You hear them talking? They're talking to Jesus. Real quiet for a second, Adam. Real quiet. Come on, young people. Keep going. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is the sound of heaven. This is the sound of a generation rising up. This is the sound of young people that are not settling for church as is. This is a generation that's hungry for the authentic. Thank you for leading the way. Now, everybody in this room, let's call out to God in our last moment together. Heavenly Father, God, I've been saved a long time, but I need your grace. I need your mercy. God, I pray that you would fill me and renew me and restore me and refresh me, God. God, may your grace be upon my life. May I be a better dad because of you. May I be a better husband because of you. May I be a better pastor because of you. God, every role and responsibility that I have in my life, I cannot fulfill my potential without you. Bart at 100% is far short of the goal that's needed. But I will fulfill my destiny, God. I will be everything that you've called me to be when I do it in your strength and not my own. So God, speak to my heart today. Speak to our hearts. Show us those things. And God, I pray that we would have the boldness and the courage to make tough decisions, uncomfortable decisions to stop things and to start things, to take off things and to put on things, to close one chapter and open another. And we will see our story of influence expand exponentially, God, because of what you want to do in our life because of our obedience to you in this moment, because of our yieldedness to your Holy Spirit, Jesus. We honor you and we praise you for all that you're doing in this moment. God, the best days of this church are ahead and not behind. We thank you for what you have done. I thank you for what you've done the last four years since I left. But God, may the next four be better than this past four. May the next 10 be better than the last 10. God, raise up a generation of leaders. May this church be known around the city and around the Wiregrass area for their love, for their worship, for their passion for God's word. May they be known as a church that knows how to touch heaven through prayer. Raise up men of integrity and in character that will not compromise. Raise up women of worship 
worship, women of the word, God, raise up a generation of young people who will hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled in Jesus' name. We honor you and we praise you today for all you've done. In your strong name we pray. Can we just give him praise? Amen. Amen. And amen. I'd like for God, Lindsay, you come on up here with uh, Bart and come on up here, kids, Allie and Landry. Uh, little Lincoln is, uh, a four-year-old Lincoln is somewhere in the children's ministry today, but we're going to receive a special love offering for them. We're going to pray for them. So I'd like them to put the giving slide up if they would. I want you to pray about this, think about this, but we're going to lay our hands on them. I'm going to ask Pastor Will and Lindsay to come on up and any of the other pastors that are available to do it. I know they're all doing other things. And then I want our elders, if they would come. And uh, we're going to extend our faith toward them. And the Bible says that where our treasure is, that's, that's where our heart will be. Well, obviously the reverse is true as well. Where our heart is, that's where our treasure will be as well. And so I encourage you to give toward them today. We don't, receive, we don't pass the plate anymore. We, we stopped doing that, but we have so many different ways to give. It's easy to do. You can put your iPhone up there and text, you know, D1, whatever it is, text, <laughs> DF give to that particular number or there's the giving box out there you can write a check today before you leave you can use the giving envelope but I want you to bless them they've been there now four years I don't know if you realize what it's like to plant a church but I coach pastors all over the country you probably know that and that means I coach pastors I'm blessed to coach pastors of thousands of people but I also coach pastors who planted churches and we know the challenge. And those pastors that have planted churches, only one third of them are still there in a 10 year period. And during COVID, less than half of them made it. And of all times, God called them to plant that church in Missouri City, Texas. And here, here we go with COVID. And, and yet, God has blessed them. How many did you have for Easter, your last Easter? How many? 250 people. Can you just celebrate God's faithfulness in doing that? So we're so grateful. And of course, they have a core group of leaders and people that we're going to pray that God will bless them with leaders and that the sons of strangers, I love that passage in Isaiah chapter 60, where he says that they'll be drawn to the light, that let your light uh, shine, Lord, in the gross darkness of the, of the world, and let them start to come to the brightness of the light, of the glory of God. And then he says, the sons of strangers will be coming. They will help you build up your walls. I believe God is gonna bring you people that, that know what they're doing, and <laughs> not just people that you gotta start from kindergarten in order to get them to be a leader someday but God's going to send you people and so let's extend our faith to them right now and let's ask God's blessing on their lives gather around them come on elders and everyone just reach out toward them and father we just pray in Jesus name 
the anointing of the Holy Spirit will rest upon this family. They have poured themselves out as a drink offering to you. They have plowed themselves heart deep into a city that they knew nothing about several years ago. But you called them to Missouri City, Texas, and they planted a work. And three different times you had them replant. And every time there were new faces, new people. Because wherever we go with the glory of God and the light of God shines, people are drawn to it. Like, like bugs to a light, people are drawn to the light of God's word. Now we pray that light will shine brighter than ever. We pray you will encourage them. You will strengthen them. That discouragement will not take away anything of the blessings of God or short circuit one promise that God has for them. I pray in Jesus' name, the blessing of God upon this family. We love them. They're a son of the house, a daughter of the house. And we love them. We pray for the covering of Jesus Christ over them. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Praise God. I pray this offering will bless them in the days to come. So reach out and give generously today. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the Lord write his name on your heart and tell you, you belong to me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go out there and bless the city.